0: When I was a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to, to live somewhere far
1: away from Hell's Kitchen. Somewhere beautiful. I realized that the city was a part of me, that it was in my blood. I would do anything to make it a better place. I mean, if he had an iron suit or a magic hammer, maybe that would explain why you keep getting your asses handed to you.
0: Welcome back Defenders. The Fist and the Cage are back in the house. Yes, this is Defenders TV podcast episode 18 and we will be looking at the final episode of Daredevil, episode 13, also entitled Daredevil. I am the Iron Fist,
2: John. I'm Irene, the Unbreakable Cage.
3: I'm Chris. A.K.A. Jessica Jones, but only on the weekends.
1: And I'm Derek, your avocado at law and defender by nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Doug for that little challenge. So, uh, yes, that's the avocado at law. Awesome scene. And, of course,
0: we are the home of the Marvel Netflix uh, TV series Daredevil, A.K.A. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage... And of course, the Iron Fist, all leading to the mini series, The Defenders.
1: Great to have everybody back together. All the Defenders here today. Uh, we didn't have John or Irene for the last two episodes. John was with us two episodes ago, and Irene had missed the last two episodes. So, Irene, do you want to give us your thoughts on the last two magnificent episodes of Daredevil?
2: Uh, oh my God! What the hell? <laughs> and God damn! Sorry. <laughs> um, I really, really miss Wesley. Mm-hmm. It really was. Couldn't believe he actually died. I was sure he wasn't going to be there when they went back. Yeah. To the room. I thought when Fisk went back, he wouldn't be there. I was going. He's managed to drag himself away. He's injured. They'll help him. It'd be like Vanessa. It'd be Grant. Yeah. No. No.
1: No. Definitely dead. Yeah.
0: I was there, and I'm still feeling the ramifications in my tear ducts. Actually, um, after Wesley passed away. It's like the dropping like flies because for me then um, Ben Urick dies like really brutally with, you know, Fisk's hands around his, his neck. Yeah. Really like that's so brutal, so physical and like kind of contrasts a bit nicely with uh Karen shooting uh Wesley, it's a bit more sort of divorced, a bit more separated. Fisk really getting his hands uh mucky or bloody. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. And Karen was just reacting. Whereas, obviously, Fisk went there to kill him. Yeah. To kill Ben, yeah.
0: Although there was a moment where I thought, yes, this isn't going to end well for Ben or Rick, but then it kind of swayed me slightly thinking, oh, okay, something else is going to happen. He's just intimidating him. And then, no.
1: Yeah. Death. (laughs) Death by Fisk. (laughs) a tough old episode, wasn't it, Chris?
3: Yeah.
0: No, I'm still upset. (laughs) (laughs) And just one other thing from that episode for me was just the whole reveal to the audience of Leyland and Madame Gao's plan, you know, to try and realign Fisk um, away from that emotional centre
1: that he had. With him and Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite nice. Really On top of the piece. roof there, yeah. yeah. really interesting piece. And seeing the uh, the super-powered Madame Gale as well was quite interesting, wasn't it? Mother
2: Grey!
0: Yes, I know. We called it. Yes. yes.
2: That and the fact that Leland didn't drink the champagne on purpose for his, he, he was like, it, it looked accidental that he hadn't taken a sip yet. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't remember who said that, but...
0: Definitely, but then it's all leading then to this big finale, episode 13 of Daredevil.
1: Yep, this episode of Daredevil was written and directed by Stephen DeKnight, the showrunner of the show and and kind of the guiding hand for the series so far. Um, Really good to have him doing this as his final episode of Daredevil. Uh, John, do you want to start us off with the synopsis for this episode? Yep, Daredevil episode 13.
0: At the untimely funeral of Ben Urick, Karen Page meets with his wife to apologise for pushing Ben into investigating Fisk. Mrs Urick forgives Karen and releases her from any blame. Foggy and Matt begin to mend their broken friendship by moving forward and investigating Fisk's connections to Union Allied Construction. Meanwhile, Wilson confronts Leyland Owsley, who reveals he'll be breaking up their working relationship, and has an ace in his back pocket. Officer Hoffman, who is stashed away in case any attempt is made on his life. Matt learns that Hoffman is still in play, so the race is on to find him and reveal his secrets to the world. As the world crumbles around them, Wilson plans for Vanessa's escape from the city and his own daring escape from the law. But a newly upgraded Daredevil won't let that happen, as the protector of Hell's Kitchen tracks down the kingpin of crime, delivering him to his rightful place behind bars. Our new hero watches over his city to defend the innocents from attackers as credits roll on season one of Daredevil. So, guys, gals, ladies, gentlemen, what did we think of the final episode? What's the initial big thoughts before we get into our, our final um, five points
2: each? Uh, I didn't think it matched the two episodes before. Right for a season finale, it was. It was really. The episode was really, really good. I think it was just after. The other two
1: mm-hmm.
2: after eleven and twelve, it felt a bit
1: oh, the shock of the two it. big deaths followed by a kind of a wrap up really yeah. for the season, yeah.
2: Which I know it was like, mm-hmm. and they had to be done.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm kind of would have a fi- similar feeling. I still really like the episode. Definitely, Um it's maybe feels like um, a definite close to season one, and it'll be interesting to see how they can work out. Um, a season two from that I've got some ideas which I'll probably bring up uh, later on but definitely um, you've got two massive beats in Wesley's death and Ben Uric's death and then this seems like an expected conclusion to it um, it's difficult to follow those previous two episodes I think I kind of agree mm-hmm. but it's still a, a really good, a good episode definitely
3: for me it wasn't the best episode of the season nowhere near It was a strong closer, though. Mm -hmm. It was a very strong closer. Oh, for God's sakes. It was an episode called Daredevil, and we got to see Daredevil in the black and red suit and the horns and the bitty clubs and using them properly. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't the strongest, but I think where we've been coming from is that we haven't had, this wasn't a superhero show so far. Mm -hmm. It was just a vigilante show. But now he is fully donned in his armour and jumping around and tw- twirling and doing the whole shebang. And that's where there was a slight detraction from yeah. what we've probably originally seen. But to be fair, it closed well. It, it wrapped everything into a neat package. And that's, I'll come back to that with one of my points. Yep,
1: definitely. I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get into it, definitely, as we, as we go along. For me, probably, it's a 13-episode show for Netflix, so... A lot of people will have watched this episode directly after episode eleven and twelve. We waited a week to do this podcast, essentially, so we didn't watch it directly after the other episodes. I think it would have stood out slightly differently, or would have felt slightly different if you'd watched it directly after the other episodes. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think it is. I think it is a good episode and a good closing episode for the season, but very difficult to make the final episode where you're wrapping everything up to be the most exciting episode of the season. And we've had some fantastic episodes throughout the, the show so far. So, but I did like it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good point that if you were watching this immediately after, which you prevented us from doing, Derek, um, <laughs> you would have a different thought because it just rolls into one. It's a continuation. It really is. Just that, That's the great thing of the, the 13 episodes all rolled into one, you know, that you could watch them all on the 10th of April if you wanted to. And, and now it's the 16th of May, you know, such a long time ago, yeah. um, and we've been watching them disciplined one after another and you know there were moments where we really wanted to just go push ahead I reckon it would have felt different the episode definitely mm-hmm. um, it's just how that. it's amazing how when you watch them differently you probably get different overall views but I mean I still agree with Chris it's a real strong close you still get to see Daredevil in, um, in red you know there's a lot of setup. I think as well it's much more an intriguing ending because of potentially where it suggests or signposts for for future and um, season uh, you know the season two
3: i was thinking about this during the week and actually it, it, it's more and more the how the structure has come this show or this series or season i should say was has been structured if you think about it into three part marathons right four four five Right. If you look at the arcs, yeah. we did go up and then back down, and then up and then back down, and kind of built up to this, kind of crescendoing the last in episodes eleven and twelve, and now this is closed off. But it's it was this kind of okay. You, you could see it as part one, part two, part three.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting structure from from Netflix, and really good to uh, really good to see what they're hopefully going to bring to the other shows.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, move into our, our five points. So, Irene, what's your
2: first point? My first point is Foggy's comment to Matt. It was, if he killed somebody, he said it would probably have the same effect on someone as Catholic as you. If he killed him or if he was the reason that somebody got killed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and you're, as Catholic as you. I know, that's like they're deliberately pointing out just because Matt is Catholic and we've seen him with the pre- Father Latimer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure every religion is against people killing each other, though. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a bit heavy-handed. It sounded strange to me. Maybe it's just me, but it, the way it, it just hit my ear all wrong. I was like, "That's a bit bizarre." Right, it's right. Like reminding us, it's the Catholic guilt him.
0: thing. I suppose is that what they were trying to do there? That even if you didn't kill effect. him, the fact that maybe you had helped lead events or people to his death, and that the the weight of that guilt. And the self blame would affect you, I don't know, I'm
2: yeah, no, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. maybe Well, they maybe did point it out
1: earlier it. on in the episode where um where father Nathan... Asks Matt how he's feeling, and he yeah. says, "Like any good Catholic boy." And Father Latham says, "That bad." That bad. which is interesting for a Catholic priest to say that. That's you know that is the penance of being a Catholic is to be to take blame for everything and feel awful all the time about everything that's going on around you. So, um, so yeah, they they pointed it out twice in the episode, but um, but yeah, it, it, it I was kind
2: of wondering why though. Was it? A, I thought it might be set up for something later, and and then if it, if it was, I didn't pick up on it right later in the episode.
3: I, I think it actually is more set up for season or for. Later shows, in that it's probably a setup for mass questioning mm-hmm. what he's going to start doing. Okay. So I okay. think it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, so we're just going to hammer home that you are a Catholic. You you feel and suffer for everything. You haven't forgotten about you, that just
1: yeah, because that, you decided yeah. to
2: go ahead and, and become and, the vigilante. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: part of a superpower is the ability to blame himself for everything that goes on. <laughs> <Even laughs> the case.
0: Yeah, but it was one of those things that we said really early on that you know we hope that it doesn't become too religion heavy. That you know they don't treat it. Um, too heavily with all the you know the Catholic, Mary, Mother of God, saints, and all that kind of thing. And in a sense, they haven't. I mean, we kind of talked about previous conversations with um, Father Lantham and, and his experience of the devil when they have that conversation between him and, and Matt Murdoch. And that was done really well. And I suppose maybe, yeah, it, it, it kind of just conforms to that, I suppose, a bit stereotypical view of that, well, you know, everyone's guilty if they, it's probably not even just with Catholics, but anyone yes. who's uh, religious has, has got this like overwhelming guilt because they're just not worth it yeah. in the eyes of God. Um, you know, so I, I don't know, it's one of those things where maybe that was just a bit heavy handed, it was a bit shoehorned for, for the, the whole thing, yeah. um, partic- which partic- was one of our concerns to begin with, I think.
1: Yeah, particularly given that Foggy also blamed himself for the death of Miss Cardenas. Uh, you know, it's it's not exclusive to Catholic no. Catholicism and why is Foggy calling it out to Matt? But I think it is just to point out that this will always be a fundamental part of Matt that he will take blame on and take responsibility for this and will help the innocents because of these beliefs that he has, I suppose. It's probably the way. Okay.
2: Yeah, so... Um, then later in the episode he says, this this is the part where the law meets reality. Needs reality. Like he he he's he's thinking about it and he's he's still thinking about should I, shouldn't I? But he's not thinking about it with his religious hat on. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about it with his he's lawyer th- hat he's on. He's thinking about
2: it with just his lawyer hat on. Yeah. And that's more like Foggy's the one. What it made me think of then was later was that Foggy the way he was like you know you want to pick up your phone there chap we were wondering did you get home alright? Mm. And we know Matt's grand and he's perfectly capable of looking after himself. Yeah. But Foggy's the one reminding him you're you're Catholic, like, you know, this is like another disability. You're gonna feel really <laughs> bad about this. And Matt's like, well actually, like, this is where law meets reality now, if yeah. I don't do this, it's very matter of fact. I have to I have no
1: he's he's just like I have to now. This is like I'm gonna yeah. go do this. Very interesting thoughts. Um John, do you wanna give us your first point for this episode?
0: Yeah. My first point is I loved Leyland's confrontation of um Wilson Fist. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really ballsy. He's um, quite confident that he's going to get half of the money of Fisk's fortune. And he's essentially going to go off to an island because he's been moving money around for people like you. And, you know, he's got his island retreat with his son. And that, you know, he's in a sense, as we found out between him and Madame Gao in the previous episode, he's kind of been doing his own insurance all the way through. Um, He's got Hoffman um, in custody. I love the fact that he says, you know, 10 million buys a lot of courage. And it's just the duplicity of Leyland Owensley here really just bubbles to the surface. You know, Fisk has had a suspicion of him and um, he's seen it in the numbers himself yeah. and confronts Leyland but now this duplicity just bubbles to the surface and I think Leyland Owsley comes across as all Machiavellian really I, I really really liked it and I loved the fact that his confidence in dealing with Fisk who is essentially a psychopath is you know I'm just going to walk out of here with half your fortune I've got my insurance in Hoffman, yeah. thanks, but, you know, this is this arrangement has come to an end. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that was quite um, ballsy. And I loved that turn for Leyland Owsley. I think one other quick point of that scene as well, I loved how Wilson Fisk suddenly starts saying, your hands are shaking, and Leyland says, it's the cold. And then he goes, but you're sweating. And, you know, you see the, the bit of sweat, the bead of sweat coming down and um, the side of his face. That's felt very daredevil esque in terms of spotting these micro things that that give away uh, Leyland's um, sort of real position. Yeah. So I really like that. And then, of course, again another one drops like a fly. I mean, you know, Wesley Ben Urick, and now, the owl Owlsley um, gets chucked down an elevator shaft. and yeah. um, So. I thought this was a really good little confrontation scene between Fisk and and, and Owsley, Definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had the same, a uh, very similar point uh, on it. I just wanted to highlight it again. You did mention it, but yes, we lose Owlsley, but not before he says, "I've got a son." So. Setting up a, a potential new Leland Dowsley for season two. Maybe the L will come into uh, come mm. into Daredevil. So. Little cheek.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the son's yeah. name is actually, Lee, I think it said in one of the episodes. Right, right. my Sunday.
1: But yeah, my point was also about Leland's plan. I really like the idea that he's really set this up. He's taken Hoffman. He's offered him ten million to come out against against Fisk. But he specifically points out even if Hoffman does reveal all this information, I know you're going to get to him and kill him, so I don't even need to spend that 10 million. So he's thought about every eventuality. He is really Machiavellian, and he is he is a really thoughtful character. Just didn't expect that uh, that wouldn't matter to Fisk. If you mess with his woman, you end off with your brain smashed in down the bottom of a lift shaft. So,
0: I think it's always as well with Leyland Dowsey. it's been that disarming... Humour that he's had as well. I mean, he's had it in relation to how he's talked about Madame Gao with the fortune cookie and, you know, where are you going? You're just heading off, um, you know, in the previous episode, where they're on top of the roof. Yeah. You know, he's always had that little bit of disarming humour uh, about him. And here, it that has just dropped and it really comes out how Machiavellian he is. And it, that is a really nice way of dealing with this character, I think. I, I really liked it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, Chris, what's uh, what's your first point?
3: Actually, it was perfectly obedient. Um, it's almost like we planned it. Which we didn't, listeners, we didn't. Um, Hoffman. Hoffman, mm-hmm. Hoffman. Hoffman, Hoffman,
1: Hoffman. Um, Who said it? Which one of us said that Hoffman was still alive? I think it was either John... Or Irene that said Hoffman will come back in a future yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. I'll take the credit on you. <laughs> <laughs> mine, yeah. mine. It's um, mine. We, <laughs> I, I think we may have said that Hoffman will come back and help out Ben and reveal all the details to Ben, but unfortunately yeah. Ben is gone. Yeah. But, um, but no, just good I, I,
0: call. Well done. I think it was the fist cage thing.
1: I think it was fist and cage. It might have been. <laughs> Heroes for hire.
2: Have a drink down the fist
1: and cage. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, Chris, back to your point.
3: I'm not sure if I like or dislike this scene. Okay. Um, in that we didn't see anything. The camera was on Hoffman
1: mm-hmm.
3: where when oh. the man in the mask came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. and we hear the gunshots, and we see the, the the squinting, and he's like shaking in fear as the guns, the the bullets whiz by him or miss completely, and mm-hmm. every time the uh, a bang happens. And I think I like it, but again, this unfortunate episode. Was very action less. Right, okay. In that we did have some a, a couple of big beatdowns, mm-hmm. but it wasn't some of the. I was expecting a very over the top um, five minute fight scene that we had got previously with some amazing camera action. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like they probably did film it, but um, it was just like, okay, maybe it just didn't work or something. So they just kept the camera on him and panned in. And it worked in that you could see the terror in him and then when um, when Matt confronts him at the table and then throws the table across the room, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, brilliant. And the, even there was actually one piece that I actually liked in that the whole thing was so cold, you could see Matt's breath yeah, uh, as he was that's speaking. Really cool. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's really nice. But it just, I don't know. I, I Again, I want to hear what you guys thought. I'm... I'm
0: torn. I have a similar kind of view um, to yourself. I kind of liked it, but at the same time wondered whether I wanted to see the action because I suddenly put myself in the position of one of those police guards who is suddenly under attack, has been given a job of taking out Hoffman. Um, There were like four or five of them I would have just thought, and Hoffman is, is shown just sitting there that one of them would have got a shot off at him, and I half was expecting just to see a bullet go straight through the middle of his forehead whilst he sat there looking at the camera, and it kind of failed. And I think maybe it was in a bigger picture of the story, and it's and I appreciate that it's the way that you know it goes, but it was. We need to find Hoffman. Oh look, I've found um, the numbers on all this document that have come from. Um, Ben Urick's house, oh it must be that house, like I appreciate it's coming to a crescendo and mm. I, I like that, but over the course of 13 episodes the way it is, I'd love to have seen it maybe not just almost incidental, it, it just seems like very convenient that all of a sudden they find this house, you know they even make reference to the fact that there's huge amounts of information in all these boxes, yeah. yet then all of a sudden Karen goes, oh, look, um, here, this house, and it leads to that. And so I would have preferred it if it had been complicated by the fact that Hoffman had died and they had to do maybe something else just to... It just seemed a it's bit... a bit easy. Yeah, right. it, it seemed a bit too sequential within the grander scheme of things. Right. And that's why I then suddenly thought, oh, but there's five officers there. A bullet must have gotten off in his direction. He right. sat still, um, you know, because it, it takes what ten seconds whilst all this is going on, and yeah. you hear gunshots going off. But their mission, quite clearly, is to completely remove Hoffman from the equation. So I wish that they had succeeded in that a bit. And
3: they they took out one, two, three, four guards on the bottom, the delivery guy, and three guards on the balcony and a sniper mm-hmm. and yeah you're right again this was a kind of busy these were like they looked like fat overweight policemen but they managed to take down these Fisk security guards or Leland security guards and I was a bit like oh, you, what so I think I just if we hadn't seen the fight I think that would have, it would have been... We, it would have surfaced probably a bit more in that... Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Daredevil's flipping between eight of the four or five, four or five of them, and he's making them shoot at each other and twisting them. Or that would have made sense, but it was just that... I, I'm really torn. You can hear it in me. I'm just like, I liked it in that yeah. we saw nothing, so our imagination's going wild. It is. But...
0: Yeah. No, I really liked that and how it was framed... And it was just purely over the grander scheme of things, in terms of the the sequence of events leading up to that. That I wish I'd seen the fight to see that they had really worked for keeping Hoffman alive, rather than just focusing on him. I think, but I liked that whole um, device of just looking at Hoffman as you hear the scuffles the the guns going off yeah. and his face getting covered in blood I think I, as well. I, I did like it and I'm slightly torn but overall I definitely like it. I
1: absolutely want to compliment Daryl Edwards for that scene it's a one take shot for him, I know it's not like a fight scene where he has a huge amount to do but his reactions are fantastic he gets essentially a blood pack thrown in the face <laughs> and still <laughs> keeps that reaction there, he doesn't do the ugh like any of the yeah. rest of us would do, he's clearly a good actor um, for that scene so well done to him definitely and I totally take on your point, I definitely I think if we'd seen the scene you'd understand better but I think after 12 episodes I've got a measure of how Daredevil fights he definitely couldn't have been beaten by these by these five lazy cops who are on the payroll of, of Fisk was my feeling and I know what he's doing because we've seen his fights in the past he's probably targeting each person that's about to make take the shot on Hoffman he's probably taking each one of those out rather than just going after each one individually he's identifying which one's going to take the next shot and taking them out that way it's a pity we didn't see it, but I do think we had quite a good bit of action in the episode. Anyway, it didn't need an extra scene of that. We've had a lot of it throughout the, throughout the season so far. For me, for me,
2: I'd agree more about the the point with the how they found out where he was. That was that did seem a bit easy, right? And like nothing in the in the season has really been like it's all been murky and difficult and Nothing's You wonder easy, why yeah. they bother sometimes. Like yeah, it's, <laughs> it is really difficult and then that just kind of falls into their lap and like of all people it's kind of unbelievable that Karen's spotted like right. you think if <laughs> Foggy or Matt had spotted
1: she's not the sharpest tune in the box I don't think she would have noticed that, <laughs> you know what I mean she's, a, she's an administrator that's exactly her job though isn't it to spot the little details
3: <laughs> just, a, just as you were saying we got a lot of action in this it's gonna, I'm going to feed into a later point but mm-hmm. I don't think this was the action crescendo that we wanted that beat down on Fisk. Mm-hmm. It was... I don't know. I I think I'm a bit lacklustre on this. I'm a bit... I watched this last night and I was expecting this glorious, like, first fight. Well, not first fight because they they, they attacked each other in the harbour. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting this glorious, kind of over-the-top, swinging from places, billy clubs. We got that, mm-hmm. but just not to the same level as I was expecting. And I think... I think I was just a bit yeah I was expecting like Kingpin going having an army of goons around him and going go get him right. and like then you just have this like over the top 20 men versus Daredevil and then he goes after Kingpin. I was expecting something a bit more that like like we would get to see in the comic books. Right right. Instead we get man v man or mm-hmm. man v mountain. But the,
2: mountain. because of the parallels that they've been drawing the whole way along with Matt and Fisk I thought it was like that they're really evenly matched. The bit that annoyed me was that Fisk was winning until Wilson dissed the city, and then Matt suddenly like nobody says that about my city.
3: And, <laughs> oh come on! I think I, I'm going to say this now. I think this was supposed to be the end. That's what this this episode was. When they season. when they filmed this and when they wrote this, there was no season two. It wasn't yeah. planned. It was literally this was going to lead to the defenders. This was going to lead to the defenders, and I think that's, I think that's what happened. In that, they were like, "Okay, we don't need to give too much away. We're going to see him again. He's kind of got his suit. We'll see him again in, uh, well, probably like a two a year and a half mm-hmm. when we see the defenders." As an episode by itself, if completely out of context of the whole series, it was amazing. Right put in context in the scene fight scenes we've seen, mm-hmm. the the story writing and the storytelling and the acting, there was just no standout that I was expecting. There was no oh my God moment. And especially since we've got three two episodes with two massive oh my god moments, even Aldi taking a swan dive, get it? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't even um that wasn't even an OMG poem, because oh, I was really? literally go the second he, <laughs> I, the second he went, okay, yes, Fisk, I've been screwing you over. I was like, oh, you're a dead man. That's it. Yeah. You just admitted you can't let you walk away. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah, I was just like, that was it. But I think I, that was just oh, sorry. And I, it's just from an action point of view. I wanted to see Daredevil and all his, all his gusto. You and wanted, I think that we just didn't see that
0: yeah. you wanted the fields of Plenor like in Lord of the Rings where it's like the two big yes come or, together and but it's actually Daredevil against many in yeah. the okay
3: and like, I think I think it's more because I, I've been reading up on Daredevil again and we see that a lot in the comic books he mm-hmm. go, like it's him versus like an army of the hand and he does it mm-hmm. uh, or him and Electro versus an army of the hand there's a lot there and I think oh, that's what I was expecting. You yeah, know, like, for
2: end-of-level boss, it's not the most... impressive. No, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: But I did like the fight. I mean, I did like the fight in the alley. I thought it was really good. I think um, I hadn't thought of the the parallels of the, the two of them that's sort true. of being very similar, just but on different sides of the fence. But having them then just on that individual face-off, that kind of makes sense to, to me. Um yeah, I kind of wanted. I kind of actually started rooting for uh, for Wilson Fisk, really though as well. I I don't know why I suddenly like going. Oh come on, Wilson! You know, smash his head in or something. You know, I actually started um, rooting for for Fisk here yeah, for yeah. some reason. Um, I don't know why that was, but I I think you know he, he's such a great bad guy. I didn't want that to end i didn't want his sort of cleverness or of being you know it's slowly unraveling his world isn't it the fbi are coming in and taking the senator they're taking um the That's... the contact in the um in the newspaper and all that his world <gasps> that was the girl yeah that like, was my omg moment sorry yeah. excuse me i take
3: yeah. it back that was my omg moment yeah i was
2: like it wasn't actually oh
0: i know and it, you blamed him. I know and you know there was the lawyer as well and Uh, all all this world is unravelling and I was kind of like feeling slightly sorry for him
2: yeah yeah. that's why you're supposed to think everybody was snatched up and then there was only one FBI guy and he got killed when the truck turned over and that's why Wilson's on his own I was like nobody there's nobody coming there's nobody left
1: Yeah, yeah
2: he's on his own
1: absolutely Yep that's a uh, greatly lead into my first point. Yeah. Um, which is about the collection and the arrest of of all of uh, of all of Wilson's men essentially. The the scene itself starts off with Turk Barrett, who we talked about a couple of times played by Rob Morgan. Uh, I love the scene the slow motion takedown of Turk when it's when he's just running away from the cops he looks like he is terrified. Uh, slides over a police car, gets Tarithian taken down. <laughs> yep, gets taken down by all the FBI agents. Uh, getting him. We had uh, Paris Landman, who's the head of the company that Matt and uh, Matt and Foggy used to work for. Uh, Landman Zach had him getting taken down. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, he had the senator getting taken down, and then it's Caldwell from the bulletin Yeah, she's the uh, she's the one that was also at the funeral if you noticed at the beginning the yeah. camera was focused on the editor which is supposed to make the audience think that he is definitely the one the mole within there but Caldwell is just as vicious she is also at the funeral of the man that she led Wilson Fisk to which i thought was fantastic really good scene and really good idea to have all of the all the people that were involved in Fisk's plan throughout the season taken down uh, in one in one moment all to the strains of Nessun Dorma fantastic really really good
3: yeah the the operatic music mm-hmm. really lent to that scene
1: yeah,
0: yeah. it's I, not over till the fat lady sings. sings yeah exactly actually. <laughs> or I mean, the fat uh, it was Pavarotti wasn't it the fat man sings <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> it, it was good it, it, it uh, I will give you that it was nice and mm-hmm. it was um it that felt And I know Stephen and I did it on purpose that felt like that should have been the last scene in the episode mm-hmm. where it was like they, it's just they were celebrating at the end Absolutely. and it's like uh, that was good it was a kind of like hey we're going to give you a mid happy the cheery where the world is perfect yep. and that if that was a standard um TV show mm-hmm. it would be the kind of end it would be but then Stephen like kind of goes oh we'll put it in the be- middle smack bang in the middle because yeah. you know Things aren't going to end up happy and freeze frame when they clink the glasses, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, no, so uh, I agree that was a nice and it was a, but it was just the it was very it was poetic justice if you want to call
0: it that. I think that was a good part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, I mean what's uh, what's your next point?
2: Can I talk about Wilson? I know you've talked about him there. But...
1: Oh, of course, this is a uh, big episode yeah,
2: yeah. for him. Yeah. Is he actually supposed to have changed by the end of the episode? Yep. He's like, this city doesn't deserve, like, it deserves to drown, and. It was, um, his Good Samaritan story where he's like, "I am the ill intent." I thought that was deadly. Absolutely yeah,
3: brilliant. Yeah. That was.
2: Yeah. I, you're. Like, is he? Is he really thinking that though? Because his whole thing was doing obviously to for the good of the city and blah blah blah. And then you're. Like, is that the breakaway from? He doesn't feel the same as Matt anymore. He doesn't want to make the city a better place. He's by the end of it. He's like, yeah, let it burn. Like.
1: It felt like the story was telling you that Wilson had always deluded himself into thinking he was the good Samaritan that would save the city. And yeah. he's now realized because of all the people that, were, that are around him and because of everything that's happened to him, he's now realized he is the one that actually is the evil within the city. So I think there's a very pensive moment when he's sitting in uh, in prison yeah. at the end staring at the wall, just like the painting uh, in the past and just like the wall from his childhood. It's a very pensive moment where he's kind of rethinking the strategy a bit. He's kind of going, well, am I the person to save the city that just put me away in prison for everything I tried to do here? Do you think Um, he really
2: is? Like, he is, he really is sitting there wondering.
1: I I think he's wondering. I don't know whether he's changed. Uh, We'll see that in season two, hopefully. But uh, he's definitely wondering whether his his strategy and plan was the right thing to do for his city that he thought he was trying to save. But he's now... He's now not sure whether that strategy was the right thing or whether he was the one to save his city.
0: I kind of... Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought it was that he was deluding the, the audience. And it was this idea that the person that he had really maybe shown who he was was to Vanessa. I mean, showing her, you know, all the warehouses blowing up uh, across the city and that you'll be safe by my side. That it was the... Doing good for his city was always about... Still doing good and profiting for him, yeah. and he didn't care whether he was using um, Madame Gow's drugs. Uh, Leyland Owsley's fraud, in a sense, and mm-hmm. um, the the violence of the the Russian mob, um, and the intimidation of the Japanese uh, accuser. So I kind of I took the Good Samaritan story as it was that reflective moment where he he knew it all along i didn't think he yeah. was suddenly realizing it i think it was more that he was just making it quite clear that even though there's been all these good intentions um you know to help his city and to make it a better place and you've been hearing this from from matt murdoch as well is that actually um he's known all along that it's still for him it's a selfish point um and he will do any means to get to the end. So, I again, the Samaritan story was excellent as well. I, I loved it, just the way it was delivered. Yeah. It was brilliant.
2: And just that line, the way he says, I am the bad intent.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I like, I yes, go! I, I, I go, Wilson! It. I <laughs> absolutely expected him to go, and I am the Samaritan that was trying to save the city, essentially. And he just instantly goes, nope, I am the villain, and I realise I am the villain, essentially. So, yeah, yeah. yeah really yeah. good. Really I was good.
2: hoping that that was it, that it was more... That from the time that he was talking to Matt in the gallery, and I thought it was for Vanessa's benefit, so I was hoping it was that he knew all along. But damn it, I haven't managed fool people kind of thing. Right? Um, I'll have to think of a different strategy. I was hoping that was it because at the end, when he says to Matt, "You really think this is going to make a difference?" You know, you and your silly suit. Which you know, I'll get to that later mm-hmm. as well. But anyway, we talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going. And I hope that is it. Like, and now he's going to have to come up with a new strategy you know, you can't fool all the people all the time, but maybe he can fool enough of them that he can get back in there again. And yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I think, yeah, it was... The whole series was this origin arc. I think that's what we're going to get from the rest of the Defenders series, in that the these are just more origin after origin after origin after origin. And then the wrap-up and penultimate where they all come together fully formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Doctor Strange. With Doctor Strange. <laughs> every episode. Every episode. Um... But I think this is, this has given the credence to uh, Fisk's character in that he's come now and he's like, "I was a good man. I was a good man. No, I'm a good man who uses violence." No, actually, you're just a bad guy. Yeah. And that realization now is turns him into the. He's gonna become the kingpin, the big big mob yeah. boss, and he won't matter who he destroys as long as he comes out on top and his lovely Vanessa is unharmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: John, do you want to give us your next point?
0: Yeah, mine's uh, I think a little small point, but I loved how uh, Matt Murdock right at the end calls out that Karen um, has had a, a tremble in her voice over the last few weeks, he says, um, after she's killed Wesley. Um, and um, I just, I loved how that was just a little... Little comment there outside their, their firm, outside uh, Nelson and Murdoch's uh, attorneys or avocados at law. I just thought it was a really nice little touch that he calls out that she's had this tremble in her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like even more then that she still doesn't come clean yes. what she's done, that Absolutely. she still is maintaining this lie... I think it's well hidden, even for Matt. It would still be a reason why she's got a tremble in her voice, but that she covers it really well, that says that you know, she, she can't undo what has happened on this journey, the people that have died like Ben or Rick, uh, and the intimidation that she's had yeah. personally. So I, I just really like that little scene because... I think the last two episodes, I have been thinking, surely he must know that she's lying every time he's asked her, how are you? Because her heart would obviously suddenly start um, beating really fast. And we've seen that device previously. And I was thinking, oh, that's gone. I wonder if there's a reason for that. Um, You know, does he really know that she's maybe killed someone? Does he know that and we've not found out? And I like this call out here. I thought it it, it just rounded that off really nicely.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, the bit I liked was the hand touch. Um, And I, I think myself and Irene chatted very briefly about this earlier as well. You liked that part as well, didn't you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, of course, she couldn't tell him the truth, like. Yeah, exactly. But just because she's Karen, not because he'd know she was lying, because she doesn't know that. Also, he
3: doesn't listen to heartbeats. Remember, Foggy? You listen to heartbeats without their your consent? You're
0: perfect. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but, like, I, I just thought it was a nice little. It was, fun. it was. It was it no, was no, it's more for us, like, okay. for yeah, the yeah, audience. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah we absolutely. know
2: that. Like, if she lies, he'll know. Absolutely. but she doesn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think the hand touch just perfectly sets up the, the next part, which is the love triangle between her Foggy and well no actually and that's something yeah, I wanted to ask everyone yeah. I don't think Foggy's coming back to Canyon. Nope. I think he's now moved on and he's gone off to
2: Marcyville
3: Marcyville yeah, Marcy it. Marcy uh-huh. um, who even loves him more because she probably got a promotion now that her big boss is gone <laughs> yeah absolutely
0: Derek your next point
1: I've got another Karen point. Um, it's right at the start of the episode. Um, it's her meeting with uh, Dor- Doris Urich. Um I think this scene is beautiful. It made it got a little tear in my eye. Uh, I must admit. Um, don't. Doris is quite lucid in this scene, which is uh, handy
2: when she's talk, thinking about the life insurance.
1: <laughs> but, uh <laughs> Harsh. Yeah, but I, I like I like the Karen for many episodes now. We talked about Karen constantly blaming herself and constantly forcing. Other people to into the uh, investigation of Wilson Fisk. She does have a realization here that she feels responsible for Ben's death, and I like that Doris has released her from that from that responsibility. Uh, as we said in the in the synopsis, um, you know. It, it's a it's a very sad scene. Doris is left alone now. She says she has no kids. Ben's dead now, so uh, she is left alone in uh, in a retirement home. And the fact that Ben's taking care of her, I think, is, is a nice little touch that she's that she said it did did bring a tear to my eye. But I'm a bit of a soppy man, uh, admittedly. So that was my one.
2: I don't think she does take responsibility because she's she's number one been really selfish going over to Ben's widow and asking her to make her feel better about what happened Interesting. she doesn't tell her what really happened because his wife thinks that he got killed because he was pursuing his, his what he loved to do going after his story mm-hmm. what actually happened was Karen fooled him into going to see Wilson Fisk's mother and that's what got him killed She doesn't actually tell her that, but it's like, make me feel better, tell me I'm a lovely girl, but I'm not going to tell you what really happened to your husband.
1: Interesting difference of opinion there.
2: Again,
0: I think it's definitely a case where um, Karen is self-absorbed. The character is self-absorbed with her own... Um, feelings and how she is feeling and I, I think in that sense I can understand where um, Irene is definitely coming from but I did also think that the scene was really nice I think that Benarok's uh, widow you know, Doris, I really like how she plays it, I mean there is maybe a question over whether like we see the reset um, when Ben is with her in hospital, whether that would happen and she would forget why she's at the funeral and then it would come back to her. We didn't see that here. We didn't see that kind of cycle of Hmm. of her here. But nonetheless, I thought it was pretty moving what she said. And for her, that's what she believes to, to be true of Ben and to an extent is because he was, even though he had told Karen, I've got more important things to do. I look after my, my wife, Doris. He is still investigating um, the case. You know, he you, you see him sort of zoom in on an old photograph on his computer and it's got Bill Fisk as dad. So he's, he's still looking into things, even though he's also said, you know, I'm going to leave this alone and hand everything to you. It just is unfair that of the two people that went to... Wilson Fisk's mother um, to the hospice. They're not in equal danger to an extent. Karen is still has still flown under that radar. Yeah, yeah. Ben Ulrich hasn't, and it's 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 the unfairness of the fact that they weren't helping one another out because it was all just. Fisk goes straight to Uruk and kills him. There was no protection. It seemed like he was left out on a limb, I suppose, um, in that whole death scene.
1: Admittedly, no. Wesley did take Karen, and she could have been dead two episodes ago. Bush. No, exactly. She did, oh, she did kill Wesley. So, okay. yeah,
0: That's true. But So it, it's the unfairness that, in the sense of those two protagonists, one escapes, the other one dies horribly, uh-huh. um, and... You don't want but either of them to die. But it's
3: Well I'm it's afraid. just that
0: unfairness, I suppose. But I, I think this scene just shows Karen to be still quite self absorbing. And I still think that that is going to lead to, you know, problems ahead for her in season two Absolutely. with potentially drink, drugs, um and maybe a nasty realisation for um for Matt Murdoch if the the, the love and um, the loving relationship between the two comes to a head that maybe she's different than what he thought because she's still got two lies here, if not three, that she's kept clear. The um that she shot Wesley, and um, that she's shot before, and I think at the start of the season she she has a lie there to him which she maintains as well. So you know, again she's she's Fairly um, economical with the truth. Absolutely.
1: You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of developments there for season two.
3: I'm kind of just glad though, and I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm glad it was Urk versus Karen because I really don't want to see a Matt Murdoch love triangle with Ben Urk. Oh,
1: why not?
3: Because that could be slightly strange. <laughs> but he loves his wife. I know, yes. but then you go like, you're going to go, like, Matt! Doris, Matt, Doris. <laughs> and it, I think it's better than Karen, Foggy, Karen, Foggy. That sounds <laughs> slightly more ring to it. But that
2: sounds like Matt's touring between Karen
1: and Foggy. Oh, damn it. it does, it does. Yeah. Damn. Anyway,
0: I think with that, swiftly moving on, um, unless there's a segue here into um, Chris's point. Chris, what's your no, last point? No,
3: no segue, unfortunately, but I have to talk about the billy club in the room that we've all been avoiding.
0: The suit. The
3: suit, all right. it's yeah. here. The suit. Um, so we were all slightly spoiled. Well, obviously we were spoiled. We saw the the uh, Netflix released on the day one. Uh, they released the um, animated gif mm-hmm. uh, with the tr- transitions. Yeah. So we saw a kind of a bit more of the suit, and then by by day seven for us, I think it was about a week, they released a shot on. The Netflix app, so we we end up seeing parts there, and because of social media being the way it is, yeah. we've all seen we probably saw a few more extra shots.
1: Um, I didn't realize how spoiled we were until we saw the episode. Yeah, no, Do you know what I mean. I, I I expected to see a lot more of the suit in the episode than we than we'd seen in the couple of shots that have been released while we were while we've been uh, while we've been holding off watching all of the episodes. I'm kind of hopeful that we get a full episode of the suit. But, uh,
3: That's and yeah. that was one of my. Kind of drags, yeah, I think um so we do know that uh Potter says it's not finished, mm-hmm. so
0: thankfully, thankfully at least that's that's the way out, yeah, I'm not precious about the suit at all, like as i'm I've got no fixed expectation of what it should or shouldn't be, yeah. but I'm glad that they have left themselves wriggle room to potentially modify it, definitely,
3: yeah, and I think that they, I think they went for one of the. Daredevil's kind of later, armored version yeah. kind of costumes, yeah. and I don't think it works in the Captain America MCU kind of universe. It's it works in the Flash kind of DC Arrow universe. It would okay. work there, but I think here he needs to be a bit more razzmatazz. He needs the glamour, the <laughs> glitz of being a superhero, glittery red suit. Yeah,
0: glittery. <laughs> like I, I know it's specialist. If- like I know it's special effects in the the opening credits sequence but the 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 daredevil there above the writing
1: kind of red waxy version yeah
0: the the waxy kind of skin tight svelte looking you know that's much more akin to what I recall from the comics Um, I appreciate that maybe in these this day and age that a suit also does need to um, stop bullets and knives, which maybe Lycra doesn't. But um, I do think... um, I didn't have much of a problem with the suit, only in that it completely changed Charlie Cox's face. Um, It really squashed his head in. It, It seemed like the suit wore Charlie Cox, or Matt Murdock, I should say, really, rather than him wearing the suit. And all of a sudden, it kind of crushed his his face into it, like, this really... Short. And it, it kind oh, of just seemed, it seemed weird, because it, it it's like it, it wasn't recognisable, and I, I know he's wearing a suit, and that's the whole point, yeah. but even with the black suit, you could see, you know, it was Matt Murdoch under there, and all of a sudden that was kind of taken away a bit, and it just seemed to bunch his face up, it, which looked strange, and I couldn't quite... Take some of them, the really serious lines being delivered because it was like her showing it like this.
3: And do you actually, any of you guys remember the live action show The Tick? Yes, yes. That, that's, that's exactly the, yeah, it. was. It was the live action, the, the helmet. Now, I actually didn't mind too much the, the actual body, yeah. torso armor, and yeah, it, no, it, it looked well, it fit in well. Charlie Cox, as we know, really bulked out for this role. He got the Marvel abs. He got the Marvel abs. Chris Pratt has nothing on Charlie Cox at this point because that suit, the torso area, Mm -hmm. really was moulded and it was moulded too and it was really good. I don't think that the suit wasn't what I was expecting. I think it was. I think it's, we know the armour is, very, takes a lot from the original, or sorry, the the iron Daredevil kind of look. But I think I was expecting something a bit more fully formed. Mm -hmm. But obviously Melvin Potter says it's still a work in progress. It's not finished.
1: Having a chance to put it all through the machine was the kind of phrase yeah. you said. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think that was really nice. I don't know. I was just. I think. I think. I think this was more. We were slightly spoiled to it because of the way that we decided to podcast this and do mm-hmm. our reviews. That I'd seen so much of how it looked and everything that I I was expecting that this was just the beginning. I think I was expecting more of it. I think I was expecting at the very beginning of the episode, yeah. he was gonna don the red and or red and black, and then the very last scene was just pure red, right? Or something. At least they didn't do the double D on his on his on his pecs. I was expecting a slightly more Captain America Chris Evans style to it, right? Where it is body armor, but mm-hmm. it's a bit more shaped, right? Right. A bit more. I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah,
1: I, like, I like the suit overall, but I'm with John. The headpiece is, is the only problem I have. I think the, the helmet doesn't look very good um, in the design, but again, I like that they gave themselves an out. If you don't like it, exactly. it can change in first episode of season 2. We've got Melvin Potter still working on it. Uh, I did like the fact that it tied in throughout all of the episodes where Wilson Fisk had his armour essentially in his in his suit, and that's how Matt got the idea to go to Melvin Potter to get him to make the suit. I like that. I like that, he's, that Melvin's doing it to protect the woman he loves Um, I love the storyline of how he gets the suit definitely but I thought the look of the helmet I suppose is my only problem
0: I like the main um, body of the suit I thought it was fine I'm not one way or another um, more armors more lycra kind of looking I I, I don't really mind how they go with it at all Mm -hmm. I just felt that um, as I say Okay, I know I was slightly exaggerating quite how um Matt Murdock sound is, um but it just it didn't look right the helmet to me. But again, I'm not particularly precious about it and I suppose over time if they were to stick with that suit, I'd probably just get used to it and yeah. that would that would be that. I suppose it's just so different from uh, the previous black suit. Um and again, they leave the way out, so Um, they can always change it up and mix it up for for season two so I'm happy enough with the suit to be honest
2: Mm -hmm. I like that as well I like the idea that it might come back uh, there probably should be more black on it maybe like there isn't very much black at the moment and he was saying that the red mightn't even stand up to a knife slash kind of so Oh, for his sake, for Daredevil's sake, hopefully there's more black coming into the suit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nice that they said it wasn't really finished yet. But like he's he needed it, so yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah, and I think we, in one of my previous in the previous episodes, I said I really hoped that they didn't finish with uh, Daredevil in his suit mm-hmm. in the last scene, standing on a rooftop. Yeah, they did exactly that. Yeah, I think that was very much a comic cliche where he, originally he was standing, we all discussed it when we first saw him standing on the roof in episode one in mm-hmm. black, overlooking Hell's Kitchen, listening to the to the world. Yeah, He did that exact same thing, but this time in armor, mm-hmm. but a different point of view where we're looking up at him. And I think that just, it, it was good. And it really kind of encapsulated what Daredevil would do Absolutely. in the comic books. But I don't yeah. think that they've, they've kind of put too much, Reality into this episode into the series, and that is true. Like, one, it's he got the snot kicked out of him for uh, 12 episodes, Mm -hmm. and then he suddenly, with this suit, now he was able to take on a guy who made him a human punching bag.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, at least we did get a couple of fight scenes with him uh, in the suit, so obviously the, the Fisk fight scene is the big one, but it's quite a long scene, so at least we got a bit of that, I and mean, you can see Matt has the movement in the suit, it's not like he's going to be like uh, like Batman was in, in Batman Begins, where he's not able to turn his head, he's clearly able to do all the moves he was able to do in his... In his uh, what, you, what would you call it his, his black, black suit I guess yeah his leggings yeah um, he was able to do all that movement with this new suit so Alvin Potter is obviously a good uh, a good tailor
3: we did see one very cool bit which we were, I was waiting on for it, ever since he introduced the Billy Clubs mm-hmm. which was he fired it at the truck yes and it Bounce off the truck and hit the guy in the face, and then came back to him. Yeah, I was like, ah, there
0: we go. That's fair. how they're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I love the Billy clubs. I love that you've got kind of now the the polished, hard ass looking. Billy clubs there that he can fight with. I, I loved that. Um, You know, he can put them together, split them up, and he uses them with his environment. I, I That, I thought, was, was cool. Yeah. Really cool.
1: Yeah, really weird scene where he threw it through the front of the truck and then the truck flips over and then he goes back down and takes it off the truck. I had to rewind it because I thought he was taking a piece of the truck off and using it as his <laughs> Billy clubs. Then I realised, obviously, oh, okay, but those are the Billy clubs. He has to keep using those for the rest of the episode and for the rest of the series. But it was a bit of a weird moment. I had to stop it and go... You just pull a handle off the truck to break them into a new weapon, basically. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> Breaking off a windscreen wiper. <laughs> exactly. yeah. like, touche.
1: Wilson over the head with it. So, Iron, um, what's your your next point?
2: I can't believe you're so unromantic. Nobody brought up the proposal and the the engagement ring and.
1: I have it on my notes. Yes, well done, Irene. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was beautiful.
2: I thought it was really nice. Yeah.
1: And I love, I love the smile from Vanessa when she gets, even though Wilson is being dragged yeah, off. Yeah, the by circumstances five, aren't
2: exactly like, yeah, beautiful, but. Yeah, he's uh, being
1: dragged off by five FBI agents and she smiles and looks at her ring. just tries to give
2: him a kiss. Yeah. And even though somebody's literally nearly holding his head and pulling it away. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was really nice. And then she, she's left standing there, which is obviously pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. What does he mouth to her? I rewind it and watched it like six, seven times, and I have no idea what he mouthed her. First, I thought it was forget me or something, and then it was like, he wouldn't say forget me.
1: Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. I think it's forever. I, I thought it was forever. marry me.
2: No, it was definitely an F.
0: I think he says forever. I thought it was two for the price of one at Sears. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't even see I didn't even you catch didn't even that. Did not even see it? No. I didn't I catch that. I must better. have been writing a note or something like that. Okay. But um,
2: he, he, it's definitely an F, isn't it? It's like
1: I think he says for I think he says forever. forever. You're you're with me forever. forever.
2: With yeah. me forever. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Forever with me, actually, that might fit.
1: Yeah, but I know I know what's gonna happen. I know we're gonna finish podcast and we're gonna look at it, and all of us will know exactly what it says. But listeners, if you want to send us an email, <laughs> tell us what it is. Yeah, exactly. Send it to feedback at the FendersTv Podcast.com. Feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it was like. He was like,
3: Don't forget me
0: <laughs> <laughs> one thing actually, I love Vanessa's um resilience here and her stoicism like the whole thing of she's just been proposed to the FBI come in
2: no idea what's happening you
0: know no idea what's happening, although he has whispered something to her previously he says listen to this very carefully, this is Do what's going to happen for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean it could have been that you know get yourself to the helicopter and so on or burn these files or something
1: I think she's the one that sets up the breakout.
0: But exactly, it, it could be something to do with that. Okay. But I love the fact that in all this chaos and confusion and the fact that her fiancé now has just been taken off by the FBI, that she is there standing by her man. And mm-hmm. it's it's the resilience of her. It, it's for the kind of you know, tough-as-nails aspect of Vanessa that I really, really like here. Um, she is... Exactly. Um, proper trooper, trooper. Yeah. exactly and Good I chance. love that I loved seeing that and yeah. definitely yeah, no, that she's happens. the new Wesley that's
3: what it is she's Mrs. Fisk now
0: or potentially the big bad for season two yeah potentially
3: we'll get there potentially,
0: potentially. but we'll get there <laughs> that, 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 that's another point another point Derek what's your next point
1: uh, my last point, actually, uh, is just about Sergeant Mahoney, uh, Sergeant Brett Mahoney. So we saw him in the first episode. This is the this is the sergeant that Foggy is supplying his mom with uh, with cigars. Um, he's been he's been integral really in the background to a lot of the episodes. But I like that they give him his due here. Um, they finally have a policeman they can work with and can honestly trust completely. Uh, I love the fact that he's involved in the takedown of, of Fisk. He's the one person in. The NYPD, who's who's involved in all of this, and he's the one that finds uh, finds Kingpin beaten to a bloody pulp uh, and releases Daredevil and, and lets him go because he captured the man on the run, essentially. So I love that they involved uh, Brett Mahoney uh, in this in this episode. And a little Easter egg for you all. Uh, mm. Yes, mm. Got it. what? What? Uh, yeah, little what did Easter egg. I for you. More chocolate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one Hoffman
1: goes to give himself up to Detective Mahoney. In the background, we have our Stan Lee cameo for Daredevil. Yeah. On the wall, right behind uh, Mr Mahoney, or, uh, sorry Sergeant Mahoney, uh, there is a photograph of Stan Lee in full police regalia. So, uh, so we did get our Stan I Lee cameo. See that. Yeah, but we yeah, didn't get a line. That's it. Yep, we didn't get a line this time. But uh, that's our little Easter egg for this episode. Sorry, Chris, I got one for you.
3: <laughs> yeah uh, well I'll I get one right in there as well then, cause just because I don't like to be outdone <laughs> um, on the paper where they actually name him Daredevil yeah. mm-hmm. that was Alex Maleev's um, cover art right. from the actual so they actually have him and so they literally just ripped one of the Marvel okay. comic, co- books. comic book covers because yeah. I knew when I was looking at I was like I know that yeah. cover I know and I, I'm. For, I, I'll admit I had to look up uh, across the interweb mm-hmm. or the net or online or on the line whatever way you <laughs> yes. want to call it it's internet, it's internet. Yeah. Um internet I couldn't remember who had drawn it I know one had seen it
1: on that Chris do you want to give us your last point
3: um, for me again and I know I've been very negative on this episode and I'm not trying to be just this show has built up a lot to me they, there was no big cameos or notable hints of what's to come in season 2 Yeah. so I know what had happened was that this was supposed to be a one series one shot kind of piece uh-huh. um and that that was it so but then after the success they then announced season two mm-hmm. um and I'm very curious to see where they go but I was expecting a scene with Jessica Jones or Luke Cage and we know they had filmed one mm-hmm. but yeah. that's not there yeah. that wasn't I, I even watched to the very end of the credits full screen just to make sure okay maybe it was going to do a Marvel but nope Yeah. um there was no, we. Madam Gow's gone off somewhere, uh, Leland's probably dead, there, there's, there was no David Tennant as Kilgrave, yeah. there was no...
0: Doctor Strange Dr. with D- his picking in his collars. Yeah, no, yeah.
3: <laughs> I was expecting, I don't know, I think I was expecting, okay, in a very traditional Marvel MCU, yeah. okay, well look, here's a hint of what's to come.
1: Yeah, yeah there were rumours when we were at New York Comic Con last year and saw the initial footage of Daredevil and uh, and Clark Gregg was in town, who plays uh, Agent Coulson on, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There were rumours the reason why he was in town for New York Comic Con was not just for the panel, that they were filming Daredevil at the time, and that he was going off to fi- to film a cameo for the show. Uh, so a little oh. disappointed as a shield fan that he that we didn't get a little appearance from from Clark Gregg, even directing the FBI. Yeah. Exactly, Actually, yeah.
2: Even just was, yeah, Pan by or something like exactly, that. Like
1: a thing. five minute shot, you know. Yeah. That's all we would have needed. But I'm not. I'm, it's a pity, but I do feel the show has probably wanted to be a bit more self contained. The connections we we see really to the MCU or the Marvel Cinematic Universe are very much just comments from people about characters like. Uh, like Captain America and Thor, that's all we got. We didn't get any direct crossovers with any of the movies and shows. So
0: yeah, I think um, that kind of segues me into my last point. Um, in that we see Fisk in prison, and I, I loved again him just looking at the wall. The whole uh, rabbit in a snowstorm theme that's kind of been there mm-hmm. um, punctured throughout the the season, um, and we see Vanessa. Just like Wesley. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry and we see Vanessa there at the top of the building with on the helicopter pad um about to fly off to an unknown location and for me this all kind of feels possibly for a season 2 whether it might follow the Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark's um storyline from Daredevil Man Without Fear mm. i think it's in in the episode, uh, sorry, i think it's in the issues 82 to 93 and that is basically where Wilson Fisk is in prison, and there is also the possibility of someone else, huge from this uh, season, who will also find himself in prison. And we have that Vanessa is away, actually in another country, and hiding out and preparing her revenge on Daredevil. I suddenly thought to keep the continuity. All of a sudden, there are two important elements. Vanessa flying off into the distance yeah. um, Fisk behind bars awaiting trial um, that that felt very familiar and a jumping off point for season two um, as well that it would follow this Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark um, storyline yeah. which um, was you know One of my favourites, I really like these two. Um, I love Ed Brubaker, Michael Lark's art. I really enjoy. They've also done um, Iron Fist as well with Matt Fraction. So, I mean, again, these are sort of influences on this potentially on, on the Iron Fist as well. Um, so, really looking forward to seeing how season two might develop, and I'm just wondering, will it be in this direction? It may not be. It's, a, it's an open question, really.
3: Uh, the, the, the question I have is really okay. So, what is the running order now then? So, originally it was going to be just Daredevil, Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. followed by Luke Cage, followed by Iron Fist, followed by the Defenders mini series. Yeah. But now we're going to have most well, likely Jessica Jones, then season two Daredevil then Luke Cage, then probably season two or, of Jessica Jones and season three of Daredevil, then Iron Fist, and then something... That's the way we could go. So it, yeah. this is going to start pushing stuff. How are they going to tie season two of into Jessica Jones? Yeah. Or how are they going to tie Jessica Jones into season two of Daredevil when they're nearly finished filming already mm-hmm. and they haven't even
0: written season two? It feels to me like the MCU for the TV screen. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you've got set up here um i'm jessica jones luke cage daredevil in the same way that you had iron man thor and captain america all being set up and leading to the avengers and now we have a similar situation developing where it's like these these films of 13 episodes long um all culminating in the defenders um with doctor strange there in 2016 um being resplendent I, and, and meditating, presumably. On his ass, troll plane. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but no, I, I agree. It could be really starting to get quite complicated with the interweaving of all these different stories. Certainly now that Daredevil's got a season two, it could get a season three. You could get a season two of, of AKA Jessica okay. Jones. Of Luke Cage and so on, they're still to actually cast Iron Fist. So, I mean, this is all still sort of being mapped out, possibly as well. So, it'd be interesting to see how it goes, definitely.
3: Yeah, and I just, I think it was just more how, how can you, similar to what people are starting to say now about films in general, the MCU in general, that the audience are getting superhero fatigue. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just cautiously worried that this may start becoming a over the top grandioso mini MCU within the T V or online streaming space. Yeah. And I was like, that's great, but then you need Denite back. Denite needs to be the Kevin Feige and Josh Whedon of the streaming world.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Like Douglas Petrie who's doing the his show running for season two is is uh, has been involved in season one. Uh, Drew Goddard was the original scripter and uh, and showrunner and moved on from the show and gave it over to Stephen tonight So Stephen Diney is obviously heavy involved, heavily involved in the series and was on was apparently on set almost every day for all thirteen episodes. So he's heavily involved, definitely. But they are taking people that were involved in season one and moving them into season two. We still have. Joe Casada who's who's heading up these teams for, for the streaming stuff. We've got Jeff Loeb, who's involved in all the ABC productions for for the TV side of the Marvel Universe. So there are definitely some guiding hands here. And remember, Joss Whedon has only been involved in a few of the films for the MCU and has now moved on. So um, there are definitely enough creatively involved people here that hopefully they'll be able to guide all these shows in the right way. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind if there are 12 series a year that all tied into each other, as long as the quality is kept high. Um, very much to your point. As long as it keeps this kind of quality like Daredevil has had. Uh, I don't mind if we have five seasons of Daredevil, plus five seasons of Jessica Jones, plus five seasons of Iron Fist and five of Luke Cage, and then a huge, massive 22-episode Defenders, as long as they keep the quality good.
3: Yeah, and I think that, that that's really it. They have to keep the quality. Okay. I think they have to keep this Max Universe version of... The Marvel MCU, which yeah. is things are dirty, grimy,
1: and very bloody. Absolutely, and we'll be podcasting till twenty twenty eight on these series. <laughs> we'll be <Absolutely>. old people. <laughs>
0: I remember back in the day, <laughs> episode one, season one. Oh, my teeth are on the floor. That's before you were
2: even born, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but then I think with that, does anyone have? Any notes on this episode? Any little tidbits and little snippets to share with everyone who's listening?
2: You just have a few little things about Foggy. Oh. Um, I thought it was funny when he said that it, when they were sitting around the table and they were looking at the documents that Marcy had given them, um and he said it was proof that the man in the mask isn't the ass that everyone thinks he is. I was going, you were the one who yeah. thought he was... Well, <laughs> everyone else was trying to stand up for him. Well, the Daily ben, Mail Karen, newspaper that he Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he obviously had said something, yeah. And he goes, He seems like he's trying to do the right thing. And then I kind of went, oh, that's kind of sweet. He's yeah. trying to let Matt know that he knows that he thinks he's trying... He, he is trying to do the right thing, even if he doesn't agree with how he's doing. Yeah. And then when, when they were talking about... Um, when they're at the police station and Matt can hear the cops talking, and Foggy goes, he says... Um, I think they, I heard they're talking about Hoffman. And Foggy goes, Detective Hoffman? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the other Hoffman that everyone's looking for. I, just, I was like, you're funny.
1: <laughs>
0: I must say, it's one of those things, I did really like how um, Matt and Foggy kind of reconnected and how that rebuilding of their friendship um happened i i thought it was handled really well I, I loved the fact that it was you know we can't necessarily go back to what we had before but maybe we can move forward and, and kind of get over it um, I, and i i just you thought know, so that was, was a really good way of dealing with Definitely. that um split that they had and sort of then bringing them back together so i thought that was that was really well done
2: Definitely. Yeah, that was nice when he came to the gym and yeah. he kind of, Foggy had kind of gotten over himself a bit, basically. He calmed yeah. down and he stopped being so, like, indignant about it and, you know, self-righteous. Yeah. And Matt was kind of easy enough on him, like, he didn't make him work for it. Because if he had, I think Foggy probably would have said, oh, look, leave it, it, leave it, like, yeah. yeah. But so, it was nice. They they want to be friends, really. definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
3: Um, the nice note for me was just the nod again to uh, Mr. Potter as the gladiator mm-hmm. um, when he was in his shop. So when he's putting down the box, you saw the iconic gladiator buzzsaw on his arms, uh, blueprints being made. Mm-hmm. And if you freeze frame when he's picking up the box, you've got the legs of Stiltman oh, right. in the background. Interesting. Which is the terrible 70s. Superhero uh, villain,
1: awful! Yeah, awful. He can make himself taller because he's got stilts for legs, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yay. But yeah, if you
3: look really carefully, you'll see that when he's picking it up. And I was like, Oh, yeah. nice knot! But never have anyone wear those in real life, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Two little notes from me. I just liked uh, Mahoney's comment of the um, you know, when he finds out that he's the only honest cop in, in the NYPD, uh, he essentially responds with, Have you ever seen Serpico? Nice. Alice cop, cops are the ones that get shot in the head, which I thought was a really good, really good little line um, from him. And this would not be Defenders TV podcast if we didn't mention the alcoholism of the of our main uh, our main three uh, protagonists. Yeah. Uh, I think we've mentioned it almost every episode that they need to that they belong in AA. They they go for the bottle straight away. Any excuse. Yeah, exactly. And there is a nice little moment right at the end of the episode, which I think is speaking to us, which is uh, where Matt tells his partner. Uh, one day at a time, one day at a time, which is the AA motto. So I thought it was a good yeah. one, a good one yeah. to call out for us <laughs> as uh, as our podcast has, uh, has referred to their alcoholism in every episode. So
3: And they drank in this
1: episode as well. Yes, they did. They celebrated and then realised they shouldn't have been celebrating. Yeah. So. We,
2: we were idiots to think, we. I think it was the phrase yeah. Karen said, like, yes, you were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Irene, do you defend this episode of Daredevil?
2: I do defend the episode, even though I think after like we're as I said already after eleven and twelve, it's kind of not as maybe shocking or bombshelly as the others. But um, yeah, as considering that like they didn't know there was a season two for for sure, I'm sure they were hoping there was. But it's kind of has a wrap up feel to it. All right, rather, more than just the end of a season, but I, I still found it fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. So, bombshell-y. I like that word. Um, <laughs> Derek, do you defend this episode of Daredevil?
1: I definitely defend this def- episode of Daredevil for me. Um, it, it is It is the end of the season. They tie up a lot of the loose ends. They actually brought back, I think, every major character that we've seen throughout the series um, is in this episode, which I think is great. Father Anthem, obviously, is at the funeral. Um Foggy's girlfriend is sitting in the car when her boss gets arrested. Uh, every single character that we've seen throughout the show has been brought back in in this episode, a good little tie up episode. But yes, uh, to, to Iron's point, not as bombastic, I suppose, as the last two episodes um we had we lost two major characters in the last two episodes we lose L- Lil and very quickly get them pushed down a a, a lift shafts unfortunately um but yeah we're not we don't have a huge moment at the end where wilson fisk is dead as the camera pans back or anything like that so oh by um, your tongue <laughs> <laughs> but yes definitely defend this episode
0: chris do you defend this episode of Daredevil
3: don't ask me don't ask me um uh, what's a yes and a no at the same time? Come see, come sir. Come see, come sir. There you go. Um, I Do I defend this episode? No. This episode, no. This episode is... Um, it, it was just too much of a culmination of a few wrong things that I just didn't like. Right. I was severely underwhelmed as an episode, as a whole. But, before our listeners go a bit... Not just our listeners. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I may be attacked here. The series, (laughs) the series as a whole, I loved, and I cannot fault. There are small things that niggled on me, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm too much of a super fan. If I was just coming into Daredevil as knowing a small, like I am going into Jessica Jones one, I think I will. Love. I would have loved it and every piece of it. Mm-hmm. The the suit. I think we were slightly spoiled, but that's again uh, the way we had watched this and recorded this. My fault. Uh, yeah. Oh, your fault. Um, <laughs> the the powers. The world on fire. The, the 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 fight scene at the end of this episode with uh, Kingpin. I think it could have been slightly a bit more, but again, that's looking back to when he fought Nobu. That was um, an amazing, it was an episode-long fight. That's what I was thinking, this this culmination. But again, I think probably towards the end of this, when they were filming this scene, they probably got some notes on, okay, there's going to be a season two, or they could have at this point, because it just felt a bit... Too rappy uppy that they too rappy uppy, yeah. Rappy that's up, yeah, Rappy Uppy. Um that they didn't know where to go next. Mm-hmm. Um and so they then they went, Okay, so we know they filmed with Jessica Jones and New Cage a scene and well, that's probably now been pushed off into the episode one of the Jessica Jones. But I'd say they probably had it in. My feel is that my gut is telling me that they probably cut a chunk out of the, the very last couple of scenes just to smooth things off going into this. Um, but overall, this episode, come see comes ah, the series, woohoo, yeah baby.
1: On that bomb, Shelley,
0: I think it's probably over to me.
1: So John, do you defend Daredevil, the 13th episode of Daredevil?
0: Yes, I do. I do defend uh, this episode. I think like, Irene has mentioned, and I can understand maybe why Chris would have that bombshell-y kind of defend or not defend element, is twofold. The last two episodes had those huge bombshells, I mean, really tugged at your heartstrings with regards to the, the side of good and the side of evil, and this had to wrap that up. And so just on a relative comparative note, you could have a different view of this episode. And I think maybe, you know, that's what it had to, to fight for and deal with, which was um, was um maybe difficult for the episode to, to do. But in the same sense, because the season has been so strong, you know, you, you judge things differently. It's all, it becomes slightly relative. And it, people, it might be that it, you look at it more negatively than... um other ep- episodes, but actually, it's still you know a strong or, or a solid episode. But I, yeah. I do defend this episode. I would give it four Billy Clubs out of um, five. I loved how Wilson Fisk's journey came to a, a close, and to an extent, you see the beginnings of the Daredevil journey. The actual Daredevil, and we've been calling him that over the course of. Of our podcast, but he was the the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Now he is the daredevil, and this is the new chapter in his life and in the life of Avocados at Law. But I, I did really like Fisk's and Vanessa's um, sort of through line in this episode. Um, I loved how Ben was given a really nice send-off at the start with, with the funeral, mm-hmm. um, and I loved how... Um, Matt and Foggy came back together as friends. There were a few little negatives there for me. I think, you know, the the, the mask part of the Daredevil suit was a bit strange. Um, and I think it was having to compete with the previous two episodes that maybe just skewed my view of some of the aspects of it um, to an extent. Mm-hmm. But again, another solid, strong episode, um, which I really, really liked. So, yeah. yeah.
1: I can't believe there's no more episodes of the season. We don't have a 14th episode. So, unfortunately, that is the end of our review of, uh, of Daredevil, uh, the 13 episode series of Netflix. Uh, we will be reviewing AKA Jessica Jones when it comes out at the end of the year. Uh, but please get in contact with us and let us know your thoughts by emailing us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. We will still be active on Twitter and on Facebook until the launch of uh, AKA Jessica Jones. So You can follow us at Defenders Cast or at Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook.
0: And remember, you can listen to all of our podcasts on iTunes. Go to DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. You can also find us on any other good podcast catcher, Stitcher or Player FM. Please remember to, to leave a review. And um, this is, in a sense, not the end of the Defenders TV podcasting. Um, we will be doing a roundup of all 13 episodes after a little break. Uh, where We will kind of review, as Chris has done already you've jumped the gun chris you've jumped the gun um the entire season all 13 episodes looking at them as a whole because it is one of those aspects that is difficult to judge each episode when it's all landed at once so it's a adds a different perspective on on the 13 episodes we will of course be back for um marvel's ant-man which is released on the 17th of july we will be podcasting about that and and giving our our thoughts and review of that film Uh, looking forward to that to see how that works within the whole mc universe and then we'll also be looking at another marvel property fantastic four in in august where we may see a bit of disfigurement horror uh, creeping into the marvel universe via 20th century fox who have the fantastic four property And then we will also be looking at maybe some of the other Daredevil comics. Um, Details of that to come, as and when we know, in in some of our next couple of podcasts. Yeah, and if there's anything
1: you're interested in us covering in between now and the AK Jessica Jones series, again, send us your feedback to feedback at Defenders TV Podcast. We do have a little bit of feedback to go through for this week, which I've held over for the last couple of weeks to make sure we were all together to discuss this. Uh, This feedback came in from Jamie Van Dusen. um, He says, Hey guys, I know that you all seem to be enamoured with the portrayal and character of Wilson Fisk. I, however, am firmly disappointed with this rendition of Kingpin. I realise that the intention of showing the Kingpin as a flawed human being is an effort to show these parallel stories of Murdoch and Fisk as two sides of the same coin. Here are two people who are ultimately trying to achieve the same goal, peace and prosperity in Hell's Kitchen. But what I don't buy about Fisk's character is mostly born from what I feel are hypocritical moments in the story. A. Fisk is supposed to be a brilliant strategic thinker, a mastermind criminal overlord. His manoeuvring in Nobu is supposed to display his cunning ways. However, we see his impulsiveness more often than his plotting, as with the Russians. B. He's supposed to be sinister and ruthless, but mostly I just see a man who lashes out with temper tantrums. Unlike Frank Underwood from House of Cards, who has his moments of frustration in private, Fisk's lack of self-control breaks the illusion of power, of a powerful crime lord. I don't think his weakness of character will be tolerated and respected by his enemies. And finally, I don't like the Batman voice. I'm sorry, it's just not intimidating or inspiring to me at all. I see a wounded and conflicted child who couldn't talk himself out of a jaywalking ticket. Ultimately, the concept of a flawed villain is more interesting on paper than the one-note mastermind of evil. But this rendition just misses the mark for me. Thanks for the podcast. Great work, guys. Keep it up. Jamie another bomb Shelley moment absolutely alright anybody, anybody what's your thoughts on this one Irene come to you first
2: Um, I don't think we completely disagree with Jamie we disagree fundamentally that Fisk isn't great mm-hmm. probably but there's bits there that we have said and some that we've said a few times like his his enemies. And indeed, supposedly his allies don't tolerate his weakness. Like they, they keep pointing it out. Like that's why they they tried to kill his girlfriend. Absolutely. And um, I'm not sure he Jamie. I'm not sure if you, if you thought that the whole way through this season, or if it was just towards the you know the the latter half. Maybe that he was because he was becoming more emotional, and as Leland said, and as Madame Gow said, to him, you know, you need to get your stu- get your stuff together, like keep your house in order. I'm not sure if you thought that at the start as well though that maybe he even at the start he wasn't um kind of as together as he should be your his weakness character was coming through right right I, I know we we saw it from the start as the watcher as the viewers that because it was to make him more human and we we uh, did actually make us empathize with him obviously that that wasn't really the case for yourself maybe <laughs>
1: Uh, and John even wanted him to beat Daredevil at the end of the, of the series. So yeah. Yeah, I thoughts. mean
0: I think um I think he is impulsive, um, and as Irene said, it's very much noted by Leyland Owlsley, and it's noted by um Madame Gao. And they try and put him back on track. So I do think that his own illusion is not necessarily with his crime partners, but to the outside world. But then Until he comes public, his illusion is to stay hidden, is to keep it private. Um, And I think within the crime syndicate, though, his partners to begin with, you know, do see that he's becoming emotional. You know, Madam Gow calls him out on that. And Leyland Owsley is, although it's off screen, is getting his insurance ticket um, up to date so that he's got to get out of jail or or get out of the way card for free and um, just in time so I think it's it's the Russians who are who fail to see the illusion and that's because of that barrier even within that crime syndicate which is James Wesley yeah he is the face within that crime syndicate except on very rare occasions and gradually that breaks down and then you see that he is becoming emotional and attached with Vanessa and that's called out by his partners. Um, I think the the voice isn't supposed to necessarily be Batman. I just think that's, um, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's just deep and gravelly. I think he is a flawed villain in the sense that he is shown to be someone who you should empathize with. But then does he pull that rug from under the audience's feet with the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. speech at the end, and I think it is that he has always known. And even though we've been watching someone who has um, put a, a person's head in the door and smashed it and um, strangled um, Ben Uric you know, has gotten Wesley to do his dirty work, um, is dealing with people who are drug runners and mobsters. We've known all that. Yet there is an element, or where we've also been saying, you know, he's the other flip side of what. Matt Murdoch is, or they've both got the same goals, and there's that blurred line. And then actually, right at the end, he says, "I've known all along that I am the man of ill intent who mugs and beats up the um, the traveller um, from the Good Samaritan tale." So he's actually saying, "I am bad, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and actually I'm bad to the core. This is all a front." So I think you know everyone's entitled to the view obviously it's like and it's interesting to get that view because it is you know another perspective um it's like with the t- other bombshell this episode of chris <laughs> Being, um, not, defending. A, not defending the episode it, but people have different views so I think it's really good to hear that that view because we have been so caught up in the power and aura of Wilson Fisk it's good to see someone's point of view and it, it kind of challenges you to think about it afresh and, and, and anew so no, thanks for the, the feedback Jamie, it's really really good, thanks Yeah this and is,
3: I just want to say about the, the strategic thinking part mm. um, where as when we first meet Fisk he is my employer. He's Wesley's employer. We've all we see him is suddenly this guy who's already become a Kinkin. He's working with the 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 triads. So, so there is a large story of where we. He has to have been good to get up to that high, mm-hmm. and we don't know that. And I think, I think possibly with the part where I do agree. Is that he becomes impulsive mm-hmm. and that leads to the breakdown. That's when he meets Vanessa, and I think that was the part. Is that's where this mastermind starts to break down and becomes impulsive, because we didn't know, we don't know how he got there. Yeah, we think it's to do with Rigoletto, um, and there's some kind of connection there. But mm-hmm. again, we don't know. He is the head of a massive crime bo- family or crime, but he is a massive crime boss yeah. already. So I say he is strategic, but he just kind of. We all lose our way with women.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not all of us. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, yeah, for me, I, I, there's nothing more I can really add to that. What I would say is this portrayal of Wilson Fisk. I loved it. I love the portrayal in this in the show. I think I've been pretty open about that. But the one thing I would say is this is a portrayal of Wilson Fisk that we haven't seen in the comic books. So the the character of the kingpin is what we're going to see in the second season, not in this season. So um, I think the some of the elements that Jamie's talking about here is stuff that the kingpin of crime won't do because he will have learnt from the lessons that ha- that have uh, caused all of his partners to turn on him and take out Vanessa. So he will have learnt from those when we see him in the second season. So um, so really good points, though, Jamie. Really good if you to get in contact and, and share your thoughts. Definitely, yeah.
2: I think he'd been repressing a lot of stuff as well, not to get all like psychoanalytic, mm-hmm. but he had never dealt with nobody. He'd never t- talked to anybody about him killing his father. That's true. And he, it seems like Vanessa's the first person he's ever said that to. Mm -hmm. Of course he's a bit like in turmoil. So maybe it's just this period in his life where he's like this. But like Chris said before he was obviously very much together. They would, like Gao and Nobu, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been as in cahoots with him if he wasn't before. And then it seems like it is a bit of a shock that he's losing his way. And they're trying to pull him back on track and, he doesn't seem to be able to though, because he you know, you can't ignore this stuff forever, like you yeah. kill your father, it's going to come back to haunt you. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And certainly towards the end, this this end, he's lost Wesley and his other in a sense support, Vanessa, is still in hospital or is recovering. So he is kind of adrift on his own. And in a sense, the only time we've seen him in this season so far is as a child where he feels alone as a young kid because his dad is essentially a bully and he's, he's more, um, you know, he's afraid with his mum at that. And, you know, he's on his own. He can't necessarily speak to, you know, child to adult. It's a different kind of relationship. So, um, you know, that he looks at the wall for his solace and for to get his own thoughts and for his comfort. So, um it's like he's back as a child again. And I think there is that aspect to it as he loses his two big supports from yeah. the poisoning and obviously Karen shooting Wesley and, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah. And yeah.
1: um, we did get one other little piece of feedback from Stephanie on Twitter, uh, who says, I'm glad I mentioned Foggy's comment about listening to people's heartbeat in episode 10. Uh, I thought it was pretty strange as well. So, uh, so another person on your side there, Iron, with regards to, uh, to the potential that, that Matt is uh, going a bit beyond his remit when he starts listening to people's hearts. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, really good of you. Really, really good to get in contact. Um, with that, a little piece of news for, uh, for the end of this episode. If you don't follow us on uh, on Twitter or Facebook, you won't know that uh, some of the team are going to be at New York Comic Con this year. Uh, New York Comic Con last year is where we saw our first footage of Daredevil. And we're really hopeful that at New York Comic Con this year we're going to see some of, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, some of that, that series. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook because we will be providing updates and, uh, and providing details of hopefully what we're going to be talking about. And we will definitely be doing a podcast in October when we get to New York Comic Con. But with that, I think we're, we're at the end of Daredevil, season yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But we will be back. We will be back. And thanks very much to all the listeners who've been in contact with us. Thank you so much for listening to us each each time we release an episode. We will definitely be back um, in June is probably the next episode. We have a couple of weeks off between now and uh, and the next time we record. Make sure you subscribe to us in iTunes at com slash iTunes, and you'll be able to pick up the next episode as we release it.
0: Yeah, and we're going to be releasing an episode in July and August, and um, so we will still be there. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will be back
1: soon. And I think we also want to say a huge thank you to Iron and Chris who joined myself and John for these episodes of the, of the podcast. Really good of you guys to jump in and and join us at short notice in some episodes and uh, and be on for pretty much every every episode so far. Really good to talk to you guys about these episodes.
0: Yeah. And we've been sponsored by Bacon Butties,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and Topher, and Topherin, and
0: coffee. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.
2: Bye.
1: See you soon, guys. Bye.
2: Thanks, Vivian. Bye.
1: Thank you so much. Talk to you next month. If we don't get a chance
0: to talk, you take care of yourself.